This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. So we literally, so we literally took corporate jet to fly out to wow. Skyrim Ranch, and I read episode one sitting in a rocking chair on George Lucas's <laughs> porch. I'm like, really? <laughs> Welcome to Game Dev Advice, the Game Developers Podcast. I'm your host, John J.P. Podlasic. I've worked at 10 different game companies, starting back in 1989 with the TurboGrafx-16. Over the decades, I've developed games like Mortal Kombat, Avengers Initiative, Beavis and Butthead, and numerous others. I now work for a startup called Level X. But this podcast isn't about me. It's about you and the game development community. So if you have questions or ideas, give a call, 224-484-7733, or go to the gamedevadvice.com website. I have a great episode for you today, so let's kick things off with the new Game Dev Advice. Apologies for the long break. Been crazy busy. Have a fantastic guest today, Chris Nicolella. He's launched over 200 licensed and original toy and video game products including bestsellers like Furby, Pokemon, Star Wars, Marvel, NBA Live, and FIFA Soccer. He's worked at companies like EA, Hasbro, SteelSeries, and NEC's TurboGrafx, just to name some. Today we talk about making games, making toys, living in Thailand as an expat, going to Skywalker Ranch, movie deals, Hong Kong, and a lot more. Hey Chris, how's it going? It is going great, John. Good, uh, good talking to you. How are you? Doing good. You've been traveling and and doing all kinds of cool stuff. Like, what are you up to now? So I uh, I did something pretty bold uh, just over a year ago. I decided that uh, um, I didn't want to live in America anymore. So I just uh, I just uh, packed up everything. Well, I actually I sold a lot of everything, and I moved <laughs> to uh, I moved to uh, Bangkok, uh, Thailand. So I've been an expat uh, living in uh, wow. Thailand for. Uh, I'm on month 13, so just over a year. That's wild. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just really, really wild. Um, you know, I, I didn't tell a lot of people uh, for, mm-hmm. for a long time. It's, it's, you know, it's not something I just decided to do, like, you know, just woke up one day like, hey, Thailand sounds cool. Let me go here. Uh, it, it's been right. something that I've been working on for, for a long time and years. And, it, and actually, it, it actually started, you know, many years ago uh you know when i started mm-hmm. all my trips over to asia uh from you know going into china and hong kong for manufacturing and, and stuff like that so mm-hmm. it's been something that i've been working on uh coming to uh to bangkok for uh, for a couple of years i started thinking about really seriously in 2016 and 
Um, and in 2018 is really uh, where I felt like I'm in a position where uh, it's easy enough for me to do it. Uh, I pulled the trigger. Uh, you know, I just uh, sold my car, sold my TV, put out most of everything else in storage. Uh, mm-hmm. And I came out here with, uh, with two suitcases, my Xbox, and <laughs> my, uh, my laptop computer, and my smartphone. And, and that was it. That's all wow. I uh, it was like it was kind of it was kind of sad. I'm like I'm like this is all I have to my name. And my friends are like, uh, you have properties back in the states. It's not all you have to your name. Right. <laughs> right. No, like, it's pretty bold. Yeah, and I give you credit for doing that because a lot of people are like, yeah, that would be cool, and then they never get off their ass and do it, and and they don't have the uh, the motivation or the uh, the drive to do it. So I give you a ton of credit for. Um, yeah, you know the last. Yeah, thank you. The last couple of months, you know, I asked, I started asking more and more people what they think. And it was, um, I got bipolar answers. Either everyone was, (laughs) they were either like, that's amazing, that's awesome, or you're crazy, what are you doing? And then, and I would always like go after the people that would say, you're crazy, we're doing like, what do you mean? Why do you think it's crazy? And a lot of times people would just have misconceptions, like, why are you moving to a third world country? And I'm like, oh boy. I'm like, well, Thailand is really (laughs) not a third world country. Right. And they're like, it's not and i would say stuff like i'm like well first of all they have uber and they have you know their mass yeah. transit is amazing i go people come to thailand to get surgeries because the doctors and the hospitals are are you know on par with the u.s and like an eighth Fraction. of the product yeah right. and i i go in and the you know the infrastructure is amazing they don't have you know rolling blackouts and the streets are paved and i go it's mm-hmm. one of the safest cities food um, yeah, the food is amazing. And then I tell them about how strong the U.S. dollar is uh, to the right. Thai bar. Like, I'm like, I go, you can go so much further here uh, mm-hmm. than you can back home. And they would still say I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, it's just, um, it was just, you know, it was, it was just an easy step for, for me to do just from the standpoint that, you know, um, you know, I'm not married. I don't have any kids. Uh, I felt like I was still young enough to, to take the risk. Um, right. Uh, and and so far, so far, uh, it's gone it's gone really well. I mean, the first few months uh, were definitely a little rough. I came right at the probably the worst rainy season they ever had. Oh, the monsoons so, on that. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really tough. Like uh, there was one day I got trapped in a Seven Eleven, and it was raining so hard, so fast that the mm-hmm. water started coming up from the sewage inside the 7-eleven so 7-eleven oh, started to flood so uh, i had to take refuge somewhere else <laughs> slurpees uh, for everyone all right yeah pretty much yeah slurpees and get the hell out of here because we gotta right. clean up an aisle everywhere <laughs> right uh, and so that was tough uh and mm. then i just had the initial shock of anxiety shock i would say of like oh my god what did i really do i just quit a really good job Mm-hmm. I moved 8,000 miles away where I know basically nobody and yeah. uh, I, I have almost nothing to do day to day. So uh, there were times I would say like <laughs> the first couple of months I'd wake up in like two, three in the morning and, and right. like a little panic and anxiety attacks. And I would just have to like, it's going to be okay. I, I've right. been planning this. I know what I'm doing. I, you know, I did the math, you know, it's fine. And mm-hmm. more than anything, I'm like, I got to do it for at least a year. Just got to suck it up for a year and, you know, and yeah. just really give it a chance and uh and month by month it got it got easier i got into a routine mm-hmm. uh, i wouldn't wouldn't get lost as much in the, <laughs> in the city right. uh you really you start you start your life over you you know you have to learn the culture and just get your way around and just mm-hmm. you know things are not as 
not as easy as they are for, you know, if you're in the U.S. and do certain things, but uh, it's not difficult, but it's just, it's just a new way of doing things day to day. So, um, yeah. so yeah, so I, I dig it. I dig it a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm very glad I, I made the move. No. And, and again, hats off to you because you know, there's always that, um, I always think about the back of my mind is that, you know, rocking chair regret, right? Like you're, yeah. you're 80 or 85 and you're sitting there and you got your, whatever depends on, and you're like, God damn it. I should have done that. You, you know, and, and, and you're still young enough and healthy enough and, and you said, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm not just going to dream about it and then regret it, you know, when I'm old and semi-senile and, and wish I had done something different. So um, that's huge. And, and I think it's cool that you did that. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Thank you. So kind of looping back to, you know, making trips over there and stuff. Um, there's a two-part question here, but, you know, the first is kind of like, how did you get started in the video game industry? And then you know, what you like better working on video games or working in the toy industry and how are they different? Sure, 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 sure. So uh, I got my start with you, my friend. So I yes. started working at uh, Graphics 16. Um, I started, I think, a year after you. Um, I started uh, in 91. Um, I graduated from high school in 90. So I don't remember. I don't think I worked that summer of 90. I'm pretty sure I worked 90, 93. Uh, okay. I was the... 12 to 4 shift uh, with with Gallo um, and mm-hmm. uh, Al was there and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, you know, on the tip line as well. And um, uh, and part of the reason how I, I, I got the job was, I, well, I lived in Wooddale, Illinois, where the headquarters was. So it was, you know, it was, it was easy, it was convenient. And, you know, I heard about it. And then um, mm-hmm. uh, one of my friends, uh, his mom was uh, knew somebody that worked there. And, and that's... Uh, really how i got the how i got my start um was was there so it was great mm-hmm. you know i worked at the uh, the wooddale office um yeah. for the first year and a half and then i moved over to the the 800 the the service center for customer service like if your turbo graphics broke or oh you know, right yeah yeah put in the, the card upside down and stuff like that and that that mm-hmm. office was in uh, aurora um and I think that was a longer shift. I think it was an eight-hour shift instead of a four-hour one. So it was mm-hmm. great to get the extra time. And uh, I think it was a little bit higher uh, pay at the time as well. So uh, which made the commute, you know, a little bit good coming from going from Wooddale to Aurora, Aurora each day. Um, yeah. That's, um, yeah. So so Turbo Graphics was my uh, my first first real gig in the video game industry. Uh, but I got really I, I got really blessed because that from the standpoint that. Um, I did, you know, I got to work both worlds. I got to work in the video game world and also uh, in the toy industry. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, yeah, you've done and, a ton of toy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, to be to be really honest, um, I think my video game career added off, I think, is maybe six, seven years. Uh, the biggest uh, role I had was working at, uh, well, first it was called, um, it was called uh, um, New FX. And they were in Hoffman Estates. Yeah, off a of Hassel Road there, Lou Hain and those guys. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Lou and uh, and Pat were great, great guys. Uh, right mm-hmm. across the street from uh, High Voltage. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I worked there um, initially, uh, and at the time they were only doing games for uh, for EA for Electronic Arts. And then after my first year there, uh, uh, EA bought them, and then I became a uh, an EA Chicago employee uh, automatically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, so, um, and then, then worked, they moved, right. And they built it. Yeah. They had a big space downtown. It's 
Yeah. Yeah. I remember the big party and they had, you know, all the different floors and crazy chairs and the huge kitchen with, with all this stuff. And it was, yeah, they had a big, big spread, big, Big burn rate too, right? I'm, I'm sure that was they, not cheap. They did. I, I left right before they went downtown. I, I left in uh, 2005, and that's when I went to a, another oh, toy okay. company, and it was a it was a startup toy company from a lot of the ex uh, Hasbro employees I used to work with, and uh, mm-hmm. so I, I I did that, and that was uh, that was really great. So, um, you know, I got to you know working in both both fields was really great from the standpoint that, um, you know, toys and video games they do share a lot of similarities. Uh, from the standpoint of how a project gets made, uh, toys obviously has a much simpler path. <laughs> uh, yeah, shorter than, cycles. Yeah, yeah, shorter cycles and stuff like that. Uh, but the great thing about toys is you get to learn about manufacturing, and 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 you you have a big mm-hmm. role as far as understanding uh, the market trends, uh, how how retail works, how buying works. Yeah. Uh, and, and everything end um, caps and all that like retail oh, stuff. Oh right? yeah, yeah, you know. And then you learn all the code words like what is a uh, what is a X factory cost means, what's a BOM, uh, what's an alpha B cost. You know, there's mm-hmm. all these terminologies uh, that the retail wor- world uses, and they still yeah. use it. Today. It's kind of right. archaic in some ways, but it's it's uh, that they haven't really modified and changed it. But uh, I mean, it still kind of works, even though the retail market is shrinking all the time. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, but it was uh, it's interesting. It's interesting from that standpoint to uh, to do both. I mean, if you had to ask me um, which I like better, I mean, yeah. Look, making video games is is really really cool if if it's your one hundred percent passion. You know, mm-hmm. and you and I'm sure, John. I'm sure you've had this conversation many times with uh, with friends and family from the standpoint that it's 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 a tough job. I mean, you oh, yeah. have to. Yeah, it is. It can be a grind. Yeah, yeah sure. you have to dedicate your life to making a video game. You know, you have mm-hmm. to sacrifice seeing the sun. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. You know, seeing you know seeing friends, seeing family. Uh, you know, I think crunch wars. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just you know, and it's tough, and and you better hope that the game you're working on you're really passionate about it because you're going to be working on it for the next 18 months. Um, right. And um, it's grueling. It's really grueling. I think the longest I ever went without a day off was nine weeks, nine or 10 weeks. Uh, and then, and then uh, the longest shift I ever worked without going home was like 36 hours or something like that. It was crazy. Yeah. yeah. Really. Crazy. Start getting delirious. There was, yeah. <laughs> there was, there was even one time, um we were finaling a game i think it was a, a it was a fifa game i was working on and mm-hmm. um even back in the day uh it was you know we had uh we didn't have smartphones yet we had it was like 2003 or something like that we still yeah. had cell phones yeah. but lou and pat were all about like you have to have a pager when the game is getting finalized and going gold i'm like why like we don't trust cell phones pagers the you know the call always comes in if something breaks and you have it works for doctors damn it just get it (laughs) exactly exactly so i'm like all right people are gonna laugh at me but i'll put the pager on during you know the last uh four or five weeks when you know we're submitting to uh sony and microsoft it was uh it was a saturday night and i was standing up at my buddy's wedding and the wedding oh, already ended. It was like one thirty in the morning, two in the yeah. morning. Pager goes off that the build crashed, uh, and I have to, I have to call the team in. So the team was uh, small. So I only had to call like four or five people in. But right. it sucked to do that and to wake them up and hear them complain and yell at me. 
But the right. great thing is I got there first and, mm-hmm. and they got to see me, you know, they're walking the office, stumbling <laughs> off at 2 a.m. and like, a tuxedo. Well, Chris, if I knew if I was if I knew you were gonna wear a tuxedo to greet me in here, I'm like, I wouldn't have yelled at you on the phone. I'm like, ha ah, ha, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. right so I was just at a wedding, jerks. Get in here. Go <laughs> so at least that made it a little less painful. Um, yeah. Wow. From that standpoint, the I don't know about you, but the analogy uh, I used to always hide and not tell a lot of people that I made video games and stuff like that. Uh, you know, especially yeah. like. You know, you know, if I wore a gaming T-shirt, I got real smart real quick. You know, saying mm-hmm. like, you know, oh, I got it from a friend instead of like, oh, I work at EA. And then, you know, you know, that stranger you just met wants to be your best friend. Yeah, totally. <laughs> right, right. Like, start talking to your off, and like, I got yeah. this, I got this great idea for a game. It's like, yeah, whatever, <laughs> exactly. dude. Like, a million exactly. people have a million ideas for games. It's quite execution. Sure, like, sure, sure. Uh, but the the uh, the. The, the video game dream crusher uh, analogy that I used to love to tell people mm-hmm. is they're like, wow, you make video games. That's so awesome. And I used to say, I go, well, you know, it's fun to drive a Ferrari. It's not fun to make one. And they'd be like, yeah. oh, yeah, I can kind of see right, right, right. You're like, <laughs> I mean, don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. Look, I, I love the time that I worked at video games, but it's, 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 it's hard. It's yeah. really, really it's grueling and um and i think even in the the role um i was in i mean and, and i think you were in too being a, a producer from that standpoint it's yeah. tough you know you have yeah. you have to be responsible and oversee so many aspects of the game mm-hmm. and i don't know about you but i always felt like an ea even when something went wrong that really wasn't a producer uh, aspect i still got yeah. it was the <laughs> so right. I'm like, okay. Right. Uh, well, you know, yeah, so, it, it, you know, and if it's anything that affects the schedule, then it's it's kind of on you, right? So it's like, yeah, yeah. You, you didn't do that thing, but it impacts the schedule, so figure it out. Yeah, yeah it, it, exactly, exactly. Um, uh, but you know what? It was great from the standpoint that uh, I got to work with so many people uh, in EA Chicago that were super talented, super nice, way smarter than me. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, uh, you know, to just be a part of, of the games I worked on uh, uh, yeah. at EA was, was, was great. You know, I dabbled a little bit uh, on iPhone mm-hmm. games. You know, I, I saw, That's right. yeah. I saw the, uh, the light bulb on, on, uh, on apps really early. Like when I started just, um, I got, I didn't get the original iPhone cause I wasn't impressed that it only had edge. But when they did 3G, yeah. uh, I, Edge was, I mean, like, I'm like, okay, you only have at max eight gigs of memory and it's right. Edge. It was so Lower slow. Than hell. Yeah. It, Try doing Outlook on, on Edge on an iPhone. I remember doing that and like take five minutes for an email to load. Right, right, right. But when they, uh, when year one happened and they did the, um, uh, the iPhone 3G mm-hmm. and then they opened up the App Store, uh, and I started seeing some of these games. And these games were so easy, so simple. Yeah, like and those farting were, games that made a million dollars a day. You're like, well, what's this? cleaning up, cleaning yeah. up. And then I started to do the research. I'm like, I'm like, what the uh, the kit to start programming is a hundred dollars. And you know, you can use the computer that you have to to start programming and 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 you know, do the audio and the graphics. I'm like, this is a no no brainer. Yeah. Uh, so I made I made a couple of. Um, a couple of iPhone apps uh, that were actually published that were, you know, you're able to, to get in the, uh, the, uh, uh, the app store, which was great. Right. Uh, I came in, unfortunately, right when 
uh, the video game publishers realized like, hey, there's, there's money here. Yeah. There. And then they just started, you know, they started uh, outspan, out, outspending yeah. everybody. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah user acquisition, I, right? So they had, yes. you know, the much deeper pockets and they could throw more, more money at uh, buying players and, and running UA and, and doing all that. And then it, then it's more of an arms war and it's not so much about the ideas. Yeah, it, it, it really, it really was. And it's, it's too bad. I, I wish I would have started just a little bit sooner. And I had, uh, I used all my own personal funding to, uh, mm-hmm. to, 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 uh, to hire uh, programmers and graphic artists and stuff like that. Uh, and I really wish I could have got my, the third game I, w- I was working on was, was really, was really cool. It used Bluetooth between two devices where you can pass like colored pucks back and forth. So as I slid a puck off this, my iPhone screen, it would appear instantaneously with no latency on your screen to pass right, it back. It was, yeah, because it's Bluetooth and you're within, what, 40 feet yeah. or something like that? Yeah, or? it was it was great. It was really, really great. But, um, you know, I just, for me to like really put it out would have cost like marketing dollars, like maybe mm. between three to 100,000. I'm like, I, 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 one, I don't have that money. And two, I, yeah. can't, I, can't, I can't take a risk like that. So yeah. So what about uh, working at EGM and going to GamePro? Because you also had that whole uh, period where you're in um, the publishing site. Talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was an unbelievably awesome time. So, you know, after, um, you know, TurboGrafx-16 shut its doors, uh, I decided like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll go to school. So I, I, I wanted to go to Columbia, uh, but I couldn't afford Columbia. <laughs> uh, so I, I thought the best way, like, you know, I'll go to, uh, I'll go to uh, COD, I'll go to College of the Page, get all my generals in. Right. And, um, and then from there, hopefully I'll be able to transfer credits and uh, get maybe some type of partial scholarship, whatever, to help with uh, going to Columbia. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was, I, ju- I was just about ready to finish up my first, my first year at COD and uh, Al, Al Manuel, uh, oh, yeah, after, Al. after Turbo closed his doors, he uh, made his way over to EGM. And I remember one day he called me up, he goes, hey man, um, we're hiring, do you, do you want in? And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, it's hard for me to say no. I'm like, oh my god, to get back into the video game industry in some regards, um, yeah. I have to I have to do it. And um, uh, EGM was great uh, in the early days from that standpoint. Like my interview process was uh, talk to a managing editor who was who was younger than me. <laughs> I was only 21. <laughs> right. They're like, here are these five games. Let's see how fast or how good you are at playing them. Okay. And that was my that was my interview. Not like, let me see your your past editorial skills or articles you've written in the past. Nobody even asked if I could spell, which was good because at the time I really couldn't. That's <laughs> um, funny. Like just just play these games. And, yeah, play this game. And I I remember I had to play. Uh, I played uh, Street Fighter Two on uh, the Super NES, and I had to play. I played Ken, who who was uh, Sushi X, uh, yeah. at NES. And I beat them, I only beat them one game, one out of three games. But even that, they were like, oh, you beat Ken? You beat our Sushi X guy? You're hired. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, and, I'm, you know, the, the great thing about um, EGM back in the day was uh, it was Back in the day, was, sorry, just, just to kind of frame it for listeners, back in the day was, that's like 90, what, 94 yeah. to, to 99 or? Yeah, so like I, I started, I started issue Issue 50 is when I started. I'm not in the masthead in issue 50. Uh, uh-huh. They already closed it. But uh, from issue 51 to 63 is the, uh, are the, uh, the issues that I wrote for, the magazine okay. issues I wrote. So it was, I think it was 93 to 90, 
four. I only worked there uh, like just over a year. Okay. Uh, and it was uh, it was great. It was like a, it was it was John. It was really like a frat house. I mean, it was just <laughs> his uh, running amok, and it was. Right. Well, who was the guy with the Viper? Because he used to come by NEC all the time, and and he used to... oh, that was uh, that was Steve Harris. That was Steve Harris, owner. right? Yeah, right, right, right. So, oh, Steve Harris is... comes. We got to be nice to him. It's like okay, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was he was always nice to me, and uh, you know, I That's know cool. he had you know he was difficult with uh, with other people, but he was super super nice to me. Um, and, you know, I learned a lot there. I learned real desktop publishing, really stuff. Like, I, you know, we did everything at EGM. We, we would play the game, take our screenshots, uh-huh. uh, lay it out, lay out the, you know, the, what the page looked like in, in Cork. We uh, opened right. up, Cork. Yeah. Uh, we opened up uh, you know, Photoshop, Photoshop like 2.0. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, we'd pick out our backgrounds. We designed stuff. You know, I learned what a scanner was. I learned how to scan stuff. It was like the first time I ever heard the word internet. Uh, you know, <laughs> it was crazy. You know, I learned... Wow so much at EGM and and even there was like working crazy hours as well like there were times I slept on desks and stuff like that to meet deadline and that was mm-hmm. something that EGM was infamous for really good at was uh getting exclusives they weren't always honorable ways of getting an exclusive <laughs> <laughs> right uh, but you know they would go they would be able to go to press so much faster than everybody else uh from that standpoint and right and that's what did, that's what drove you know subscriptions and people buying it was like oh they want to know about this game and they were first to punch you know first yes. out exactly exactly um, and you know my time with them just sort of came to a close where uh, I started making you know I when I would I would have certain sections I was responsible for as far as mm-hmm. like writing articles so I would have to call you know, like Capcom or Namco to, to know when, Hey, when is the, the game going to come in and stuff like that. And that was, Oh, that was a, an, actually another thing too, is like yeah. working at the magazine was awesome standpoint. Cause it was Christmas every day. You were <laughs> either getting a new batch of games in or a new system in, and you'd get stuff in a year, you know, six months, a year before it hit the market. Wow. And, and like, yeah, there was something like, I'm like, I cannot believe I'm getting paid to play a game that no one else is able to play for another year or this, you know, I'm like, Oh my God, I got the Sega Saturn, you know, CD. I can, you know, new hardware and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, Stuff like hot from, you know, you know, smells like China. (laughs) You know, I just got this and I can't believe it. Right Right off the boat. It it, it was so cool. Um, But as I started having my own contacts to, to get, you know, Hey, when is this game coming in for, so I can meet my deadline. Mm -hmm. um, You know, they would start to, not so much bad mouth me, but, you know, not be nice about, you know, about EGM. And, you know, Uh, there's a lot of history and there's a lot of stories about EGM. mm -hmm. Uh, And the thing was, you know, there were a lot of things that they did that I did not find really honorable and uh, from a business standpoint. And um, I I don't want to, I won't say too much more than that. And that was the reason for me wanting to, uh, t- wanting to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was nothing more than that. You know, I just like, you know, I want to really build a-, a career for myself in a good name. And I feel like sometimes when I try to talk to somebody, they would say, Oh, you're EGM. You work for the devil magazine. I'm like, Oh, good <laughs> Lord. <laughs> you I, work you know, for you know, I, Yeah. You know, and then there were these crazy rumors like, you know, Steve Harris is such a bad man. We hear he has to wear a, a bulletproof vest whenever he goes out. I'm like, that is <laughs> Crazy. 
right. like I'm like, and I bet I bet someone in our company actually started that rumor. You know, it's just to, <laughs> it's uh, just to make the madness even in more so. Um, yeah, right. I just started talking to some of my contacts, and um, one of my contacts at at, at uh, Capcom was like, you know, Chris, you know, we really like working with you, but you know, we don't want to give you information first because of you know uh, we're having a, some rela- you know rela- relationship issues with management at EGM, mm-hmm. uh, and they were like, you know, there are openings at at GamePro over in San Francisco. You know, you should uh, you should you should really jump ship and, and go over there. Yeah, and. And I'm like, you know, like it was hard for me to like not even explore it. And um, I remember, I, I when I interviewed with the uh, the upper management at at GamePro first, and they were like scared of me. They thought I was like a spy. <laughs> right. I'm like, oh my god, spy <laughs> from know? Chicago working for them. Yeah, yes, yeah. So they were really timid to even talk to me. Like, and they were like, look, you only have this interview because uh, Lori Thornton at Capcom highly recommended you you know we don't mm-hmm. we don't like your magazine we do things much differently at game pro we have structure yeah. we have an hr department and i'm thinking of my health I'm like, I'm like what's an hr department <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, 1993 i don't even know what the i don't know what the hell you're talking about <laughs> yeah, right. and you know so they, so they were making me even nervous and I, uh-huh. the the meeting quickly took a turn um when the uh, the editor in chief was like, he goes, so what's your title at EGM? I go, uh, I am a, uh, an associate editor. He goes, well, we have associate editors. What's an associate editor at at, at EGM do? And I'd say, well, you know, first I pick the game I'm going to write on, and then I play it. I take my screenshots, then I open up uh, Cork Express, and I start laying out, you know, the, where the images are going to go, and I start writing my text, and then I go into Photoshop, and I start working on my background, and then if I have to scan some art, and then from there I cut it out, and I work on Illustrator. Mm-hmm. And as I'm talking, their eyes are just like, and their mouth are just dropping, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, what? I'm like, don't you guys do the same thing? He goes, no, man, we have an art department. I'm like, what the hell is an art department? <laughs> you can just write? Like, Did I have to do all that other shit? <laughs> all the, he, goes, he, goes, he, goes, he goes, we're just editorial. I go, well, what does that mean? He goes, we just play the game and write the text. And I go, well, what do you do after lunch? I'm like, seriously? <laughs> I'm like, that's like a half, I'm like, what? That's all you do? He's like, yeah, we have an entire art team that does everything. And at right. that point, I'm like, oh, my God, I know more than the editor-in-chief of, <laughs> of, of Game Pro Magazine. Uh, it was crazy. It was, um, was that uh, it was Wes? Very, very um, there was a really was class. Wes. Yeah, Wes was a good – he was a class act. I, I remember interfacing with him a little bit and talking with some stuff. I can't remember where I was at, but I remember just having a good impression of him thinking like, yeah, this guy gets it. West, yeah, West Mihey was uh, yes, a, exactly. the nicest guy. Always, he was cool as a cucumber all the time. I've never, ever, ever seen him lose his cool. And I gave him plenty of options. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I, I was still young, uh, you know, and kind of hot-headed. And uh, I, I, I had a lot of the uh, EGM uh, uh, aggression of like, let's go, let's go, let's move faster, let's get this out, let's get exclusive, and they'd be like, we mm-hmm. don't, we don't do it like that. You gotta, you right. know, relax. We're gonna put you in a timeout. You know, just relax. <laughs> right. uh, it's a little more professional. So it was, right. it was right. a big, yeah. yeah. Oh, it was so much more professional. I, it was my first year at, at GamePro was really rough. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when I came in, 
uh, a lot of people were scared that I was coming in and, and to some degree I was to teach the editorial staff how to do the things that I learned at EGM, how to use Illustrator, how to use Photoshop, how to do certain things just to, you know, just to understand the process of, yeah. of making a magazine. And the art team uh, at GamePro got wind of it and then assimilated, you know, the idea that I was going to, you know, all their jobs were going to be put them out of a job. Oh God. Yeah. Put them out of a job. And so before the day I even, before I even started there, I had half of a staff hating me and thinking (laughs) that I was in there to just clean house. I'm like, I'm 22 years old right, <laughs> like, right. like, and, I'm, and my job i don't title, like doing desktop publishing you do your thing <laughs> i'll do my thing peace out man and i'm like and i'm like and my title is associate editor <laughs> like, right. I'm like right. i have no power over anybody um right. egm was fast in your face aggressive and cutting edge and game pro mm-hmm. was very corporate very structured um and uh, had great connections and was able to do things, but they they moved at a uh, much much slower slower pace. Uh, but mm-hmm. they did things the way that I that I I, I wanted. You know, they yeah. they had a great reputation. Uh, they were well liked. Um, and you know, if you worked for the magazine, you know, it was um, you know, it, it meant something. You know, and it meant like yeah. you know, ability and and from the standpoint that you know people, wow, you know, they it was respected. Which was, yeah. which was, which was, it was probably easier too when you're, when you're reaching out to the publishers and trying to get games or the, the console manufacturers that they're yes. like, okay, this yes. is legit. It's, it's EG, it's EG, or excuse me, it's a game pro net EGM. So we're, we're not going to be absolutely skeptical. Absolutely. Or, and then it was, and, and location, yeah. And then location wise, John, it was great because we were, oh, yeah, down, Bay Area, right? Yeah. Yeah. Down the street was Foster City, Sony's headquarters, uh, you know, another yeah. three miles. Um, was Sega's headquarters. EA mm-hmm. was I can literally see EA's old building right across the street from uh, from from our building. Uh, right, that's smart. Yeah, with the location yeah. And it made it really great. It, and uh, you know, and then there were a lot of like uh, local parties and you know game launches that were just in that in the Bay Area, just because you know everyone's already here. <laughs> you yeah, know? Like, exactly. You know, yeah. Why, why do we need to have a, a party anywhere else and stuff like that? So the amount of people that I was able to. Uh, to meet and connect with uh, when mm-hmm. I worked at GamePro uh, for three years, two years, uh, I think it was three yeah. years, uh, was was great. Was great really for the Rolodex, great. right? Yeah, yes. that's great. Yeah, uh, but the biggest—I'll be real—the biggest problem I always had uh, when I used to write for the magazine was I was always really good at playing the game, uh, mm-hmm. and I was notorious for like the, especially at GamePro, the best one at playing a game. Like there were so many times like. Hey Chris, can you come in here? I need to get the screenshot, but I can't beat this level. Yeah, 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 sure. And right, you know, so right. I was, I was that guy, but but I was absolutely the worst editor. I had grammar structure issues, and mm-hmm. just uh, I, you know, I had a hard time. It took me three times longer than it took anybody else to actually write the article. But thank God it took me, you know, a tenth of the time to actually play the game to right. get the screenshot. So. Um, you know, so I, I did struggle from that standpoint. Actually, it was the real reason why I got out of desktop publishing and, and being an editor because I just didn't have a passion for writing. I had a passion mm-hmm. for playing video games and being part of that process. And yeah. that's really uh, where I wanted to go. And, and because of it, that's how uh, I got my first uh, short role uh, making video games with a company called uh, Endspace. In, uh, in Florida. Florida, right? Okay, right, so, yeah. Uh, 
they they brought me in i think it was uh 1996 or 95 mm. and i only stayed there like six months the problem was they, they they brought me in so early as a producer and the team was so small so we would have like we would go through like a list of tasks that had to be done and mm. i'm like okay guys we need to do this 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 and like okay cool we'll see you in three weeks i'm like what they're like oh well, yeah this is we this is takes time to do and i would literally john i had nothing else to do <laughs> right i was just I was bored to death. And I remember I'd call home and I'd tell my friends, I'm like, I'm bored. They're like, they're paying you to make video games and you're complaining that you're bored. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, you don't understand. I'm used to like, you know, you know, coming from deadlines. Yeah. And yeah. Days I go, I go, I'm dying. And I go, and I go, I'm, I'm dying with the culture shock of moving from San Francisco to Florida. I go, this is crazy. Right. I'm thinking too, to loop back about the um, the part about playing games, like when TurboGrafx shut down, Turbo Technologies Incorporated wanted me to, to join them out in LA and it was Hudson Soft um, and they formed TTI and, and they had that uh, company going. And I wasn't comfortable moving to LA and you know I already kind of saw the writing on the wall. So they're like, just work out of your house and find bugs and, and work on manuals and stuff like that. So I was like, okay. And then I was like, all right, I'm not the best at playing games. I'm like, who can help me with this? And there were two people who came to mind and it was you and Mike Casso. So I had a company for a couple of years maybe a year and a half, I don't know, called the testing source. But basically I would, and this is, you know, pre-internet days where there would be uh, FedExes showing up at my apartment and there would be ROMs with the games in there. And then we would test the games. And then I would- I remember. Remember that? And you would show up, yeah. you had your white, your white Mustang, and then you come by the, yeah. the apartment and we'd sit there and yeah. you'd find the bugs and I'd type them up and print it out and yeah. on FileMaker 4 and then fax over- an actual yeah. fax machine the, the bug report yeah. <laughs> but you know it was like who kicked ass playing games and it was like mike casso and chris nicolau those are the two people thank you thank that you I, and I really yeah and i really appreciated the opportunity it was great you know from taking a break from you know talking to you know a kid like how does bonk get big which he does. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and you know because you also helped me like uh from standpoint like i took a lot of the screenshots uh for the back of the box art yep uh and then like oh, some, right, of the yeah. later, some of the later commercials, uh, mm -hmm. any of the game footage was me playing it. Uh, right. And that was because, well, you'd be like, hey, man, I need you to go in the city. Uh, and, you know, they need to get some uh, footage of Air Bonk or whatever it was, yeah. and, you know, or, and that was that was because of you. And then I, I you know, the opportunities yeah. like that was, was great. And I, I really appreciate that. Was, those were fun. OK, quick question break. What are your thoughts so far? Do you have a topic idea, a question to ask? or a guest suggestion, let me know at 224-484-7733 or on the gamedevadvice.com website. So what do you wish you had known when you had started? Just kind of flashback. Oh, to, yeah. uh, there's a lot of things. Um, I did some of them correctly. I, there's a lot of things I didn't do right. Um, I wish yeah, like I would have... Yeah, right. I wish I would have uh, uh, just been a little bit more open. Like there were a lot of times where I would just I'd get into a routine and I would I would stick to it. But I wouldn't like uh, go around and meet other people to see what other departments were doing and learn other aspects. At uh, at GamePro when I was in San Francisco, connecting more and, and meeting more people. I did it a little bit, but I was I was a little introverted back then because mm -hmm. my whole life was just playing video games. So and it was you know for a time it's sad to say I had a difficult time having a conversation if it wasn't related to 
a video game. You know, talking about real life oh, events oh. and stuff like that was really tough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish I would have socialized uh, a little bit more uh, than than I did because I, I had I had everything available to me, especially in in those times. And I, yeah. you know, just even like you know, there were times like, oh, I should really go to this uh, this launch party or this, and just just go there to like hang out and meet people and be like, and I didn't do that a lot. Um, I guess one of the best things I can, I can recommend, and I'm glad I did it was, you know, don't burn bridges. Mm -hmm. As I tell you that, you know, both the toy industry (laughs) and the video industry, they're really, really small. And the people you meet on the way up, you know, this is true. The people you meet on the way up are they going to be people you meet on on the way down or, or, or parallel in the future yeah right yeah absolutely i mean think about it you know here and i you know uh you and i were we're we're, we're friends and we've known each other for 22 yeah. no i'm sorry no 30, 30 years. years yeah 30 years, 30 well, years. Well, yeah 89 was when it started but yeah yeah 28 years probably when you started 1991 yeah. something like that yeah. yeah and and officially we have not worked together uh since the turbo graphics days i mean there were no. times where we uh i think we crossed paths just a little bit but never worked at the same company uh, together and you know we've right. always stayed in touch uh and you know and and i think that's really important uh, mm-hmm. if you want you know you know starting out and things that you know that i wish i would have done a little bit better is just um is is meet and, and just associate more uh and i'm glad i did not <laughs> i didn't go out i didn't burn a lot of bridges uh, yeah yeah p- people do that and then they're shocked yeah you know why they have problems it's like exactly when you go into a couple companies with flamethrowers uh word gets around dude and, and then you know reputation is key and it's and again it's not what you say it's what you do and, and how you act and how you treat people so when that john I, yeah. I i can't emphasize that more and like and especially like what you said about it's like when you're leaving a company don't throw as much as you may want to don't throw a hand grenade just, <laughs> right, just right. what's it gonna do i mean right. you, you, you're gonna feel great for like 20 minutes and it can affect you. 20 years. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. It affects you so much. It, it, it gets you nowhere. It really, right. really does. Just, yeah. play, just pretend you did it in your head. And, you know. Right, right, right. So uh, you've worked on tons of projects, video games, magazines, toys. Like, is there one or two you can pick? It's like a favorite or, you know, these oh, really spit out, you know. Yeah, like, absolutely. So. If we want to go back far at EGM, like probably the coolest thing I did at EGM was uh, I got to work, and I have no idea how I how I got this. Uh, I got to work on and write the uh, the article for Donkey Kong Country when it first came out. Um, oh wow! And that was that was amazing. There's actually there's a there's a pretty funny backstory regarding that, a typical uh, EGM story regarding it. You know, back in the day, uh, whenever a new Nintendo game came out, they would come. You know, most companies would just send the games, you know, send the ROMs and, you know, sh- you know, and that was it. But with, yeah. with, with a Nintendo game, they brought a representative and that ROM never left that Nintendo representative's site. <laughs> you know, it's so like, okay. In the suitcase with the, uh, with the handcuffs and they'd open it up. Yeah. It was crazy. Like there were times like I, I can remember, I don't remember what Nintendo game I was playing and the Nintendo rep's like, I have to go to the bathroom. I'm like, okay. They're like, and she would just stare at me. I'm like, uh, you, you don't need my permission to go to the bathroom. She's like, no, I have to, I'm taking the game with me. I'm like, I go, you're really going to take this game into the bathroom with you? She's like, I have to. All right. You know, whatever. Uh, that's interesting. 
my favorite video game of all time that I ever worked on, the game I'm most proud of is uh, NBA Street Volume 2. Uh, when it was still, we were still new, uh, new effects before uh, EA took us over. That mm-hmm. game, I don't know how much you played that game. Uh, that game was, it was awesome. It was perfection. Uh, it looked amazing. It played great. It was, you know, I know you worked at Midway, yeah. so you're very right. Yeah, to, uh, ballers and to, yeah, yeah, Gomez and uh, but, Johnny V and all that. Yeah. It was it was such a great game, and you know we had an amazing roster. You know we had every NBA team, and then we mm-hmm. had classic uh, players. So we had Larry Bird, Bird from his heyday. Uh, we Magic, had uh, uh, Magic, uh, Kareem. We had three versions of Michael Jordan. We had uh, <laughs> with hair, uh, and it was hard. It was a hard game. It was a hard mm-hmm. deadline. You know, so we worked crazy hours uh, towards the end, yeah. and. I that was the time where I you know I I didn't go home for like you know like eight weeks and slept on a desk multiple multiple nights uh, uh, and uh, I remember yeah those crunch days are crazy and I remember we finally got zero bugs and we submitted to uh, all three we were, this was uh, one of the first games that we did for all three you know because uh, Xbox uh, the original Xbox was out mm-hmm. so it was uh, GameCube uh, PlayStation Two, Two and Xbox right. the original. The weak, and... underpowered GameCube and the other two systems, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With less disk space, um, but yeah. Uh, oh, so that was, oh, my God. That game would crash all the time because of running out of disk space. It was, it was yeah. a nightmare. We're submitted. You know, we know we're not going to hear anything for, you know, a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, I get a call. Uh, and at the time, even though we were new effects, the game was basically funded and run by uh, EA Vancouver, out of, out of the, uh, the EA Vancouver office. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful stuff. And the head producer calls me and he goes, hey, Chris, um, we're thinking about taking the game out of, uh, out of submission mm-hmm. and, and adding a, a few things. I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, Ship like, sale, man. No more. I know. No I'm like, what are you doing? What do you, what do you <laughs> use? He goes, well, we're thinking about putting in uh, a, another player. I'm like, who we have people i go we i go i think we have people that are dead i'm like who else are you gonna put in there we have yeah. classic players we have every I go, we have three versions of jordan i'm like all right, all right. what do you want i'm like he goes well we're thinking about not even putting in an nba player in. i'm like i'm like what are you talking about he goes we're thinking about putting in a kid in high school i'm like a kid in high school i go what are you talking about he goes right. we're thinking about putting in lebron james and I and I was at this uh, point I was so angry. I go, I go, I go, who the fuck is LeBron James? And, and why, why is he, he killing my deadline? Why is he killing my deadline? He goes, I goes, you don't know who he is? I'm like, no, I go, I don't know who this high school kid is. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, right. he's amazing and you know, like he sells out all these high school uh his games and you know, uh-huh. he's he's probably gonna go first in the draft and he's gonna go right from high school to the NBA. And I'm like, I'm like, I think that's a terrible idea. I don't think, you know, what are the odds of this LeBron James being any good at all? You know, great that he's good in high school. I go, that's a terrible idea. I really hope we don't. And we didn't do it just because the NBA was like, look, you can't really put somebody in that we haven't signed yet. So, hmm. but it's just hilarious that yeah. helping, you know, you know, arguably the best you know, NBA player on the planet. Right. <laughs> like, Why yeah. is LeBron ruining my game? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. My son Jack would, he calls him the goat. So uh, I, I tend to differ with him a little bit on that, but yeah, he d- definitely turned into something uh, after high school, no doubt. So yeah, yeah absolutely. 
I started working at uh, uh, Tiger Electronics um, a, a year before Hasbro bought us. First, the first project I ever worked on was Gigapets. And, you know, we made Gigapets because we got an early version of Tamagotchi and they were all the rage in Japan. Right. Um, and I'm like, oh, you know, this is cool. We'll see how it does. And, you know, I, I had no idea that, you know, it was going to be huge. And we sold, we sold 20 million uh, Gigapets. Wow. 20 million. Insane. That's crazy. 20 million. I was in the, uh, you know, I was in the original meeting when the inventor came in with Furby. And Furby at the time, it was just a videotape. It was all puppeteered, all faked. And yeah. right when I saw, even when I saw that, that faked puppet videotape, I'm like, this thing's a home run. I mean, I knew right away. I'm like, if they can actually do everything they say, this toy is going to be huge. And I remember uh, it took a year and a half to make yeah. Furby happen. It was so complicated at the time, you know, the late 90s. And yeah. thank God Hasbro took us over because we were able to use a lot of their engineering, uh, a lot of their model shops, and do things that Tiger just wasn't equipped to do. We, right. You know, so and they had deeper pockets, right? So, deeper know. pockets. And they yeah. believed in it as well. Mm. And uh, I worked on Furby a little bit, but I, I worked on Furby more so when it was getting closer to launch. Uh, they liked how I used to present and talk about products. So they're like, Chris, we want to make you the Furby spokesman and go to the media and show what it does and talk about it and go to the, the buyers and, and uh, a lot right. of toy buyers. show in New York and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I remember a lot of the buyers were pissed off because we were so late and we kept raising the price on it. And mm. like, you know what? I don't even think I'm going to take this stupid thing. And I'd be like, I go, look, I'm in product development. You know, I'm a, right. I'm a producer. I make toys. I'm not a sales guy. Uh, I'm here to show you how the toy works. I go, I'm telling you, this toy is magic out of a box. And right. I go, I know you're pissed at us. I know we're, we're late. You're still going to get it in time for Christmas. I know you might have to air freight product in. I'm telling you, this thing is going to be huge. And right. it sold 40 million units. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We had five, five factories, five factories in China. You know, working 24 hours a day, cranking them out. It was crazy. <laughs> I was even blessed. I got to go to the, the, the initial, the, the launch party was at FAO Schwartz in New York, where we only had 5,000 of them. Uh, mm -hmm. Mark Rosenberg is a genius uh, marketing PR guy, put on the event, mm -hmm. had kids from local schools show up and pretend they were excited about a toy. They had no idea what, really what it was. And we <laughs> sold out 5,000 units in two hours. Um, and, and, and just to like frame this for people, like like Furbies were huge. Like the stores would get them, and then I I knew a guy that would drive around and get them, and then he would sell them on eBay. And, and yeah. he bought like and it was crappy, but he bought like a Corvette with the money he made, like flipping the yeah. Furbies, right? So yeah. I, I mean, this was like you know Google it or, or Wikipedia, but it was like a cultural phenomenon. I mean, this absolutely like, in all seriousness, Furbies were trading higher than gold. They, they literally were. It was unbelievable. I literally, um, I was getting people calling me that I haven't talked to in years. Right. That they we're in the lotto. Like, hey, hey, Chris, yeah, yeah, like, uh, you hook hey, me up? You remember me from, you know, from daycare when we were five years old? <laughs> I, I, you know, we, we at nap time, I, I was the kid that drooled next right. to you. Can you give yeah. me a Furby? The Hasbro days were awesome. You know, I got to work yeah. on. With Star Wars, uh, right? Star Wars. Uh, I worked on episode, you know, one, two, and three. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was a huge Star Wars fan. You know, I loved I loved it so much, and to to be able to be at a job that I got to work on 
the toys for the upcoming movie, which was, you know, at the time, we didn't know any better. We thought was going to be, you know, the, bigger than, you know, the original uh, trilogy. Right. Uh, you know, we, you know, episode one, two, and three, you know, it's been 25 years and, the, you know, people have been waiting. You know, episode one, episode one is going to be amazing. And I remember as soon as Hasbro signed the contract with Lucas, we were already late. Um, you know, the movie was coming out in 11 months. So I remember this, this is so great. So we, uh, I wish I had a smartphone back then. This was like 98. Uh, yeah. They're like, we have to get assets and start working on, on it right away. So right. we're taking Hasbro corporate jet to, to Skywalker <laughs> ranch where you're going to go read the script on Skywalker ranch. I'm like, I, I'm doing like, what? <laughs> do we, uh, was is los? What? <laughs> so we literally, so we literally took corporate jet to fly out to wow. Skywalker ranch and I read episode one sitting in a rocking chair on George Lucas's <laughs> porch. I'm like, really? I'm like, I'm like, yeah, no. I mean, I'm like, I'm like, you can't make this up. Right. And I'm right. like, they frisked you and you walked in. <laughs> it, oh, the, the, the amount of um, security uh, NDA and NDA oh, yeah. I had to sign. I, I literally think I, uh, some of the fine print that uh, George wrote, like, if you talk about this, we deport you to Yemen or something like that. Right. Yeah, yeah. You're dead. It was insane, uh, you know. So th wow. those were just amazing times, and uh, you know, it's too bad. You know, episode one, two, and three didn't, you know, didn't do as well uh, mm -hmm. as everyone liked, and, and the toys didn't do that. The toys, unfortunately, they did okay. Uh, they didn't do anything as, as damn good. Jar Jar Binks or whatever. Yeah, that, that's you know, the yeah. funny thing is, like, I remember when I, I'm reading the script, and I've read some scripts before, and you know, scripts yeah. are hard to read. You have to really read the, the subsections to understand the scenes set up and who's right. talking and. You know, stuff like that so they're tough uh, mm -hmm. but i got used to it but i remember when i was reading episode one and i'm like i don't get this i'm like why is he <laughs> talking in this strange southern you know draw and what the hell is a midichlorian and i'm like i don't get this script but i, I here's my thinking you know at the time we were so excited yeah. i'm like I, I was like you know what this script is so good I'm not smart enough to understand it. And I'm just, for me, oh, not giving, right. I'm just, I'm, I just blame myself, John. I was just like, you know what? It's awesome. Uh, right. I'm just, I'm just missing there's something. There's something or uh, whatever. Yeah. Something. Yeah. 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 And even as it got closer, we started seeing uh, dailies and, and some mm -hmm. images and stuff like that. And as it got closer and closer, um, you know, I was a little nervous. I, you know, I thought, I still thought I was going to do really, really well. Yeah. I, the biggest shocker I ever had was uh, I had a, uh, a good buddy of mine was, was visiting me from Chicago and he was the epitome of, of a Star Wars fan. Mm. And he was always begging me, Chris, tell me something about it. Tell me, you know, like, <laughs> like, oh my God, it's man in 96 all over again. Right, like, right, right. About the movie. I'm like, I can't, man, I can't tell you stuff. Yeah. He's like, come on. I, I go on the forums and I, I read all the stuff. Right. Tell me something. I go, the movie comes out in three weeks. You really want me to say something? He goes, yes, spoil something. <laughs> and I'm like, here's some alcohol. I'm like, speak. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And we were, we were outside and we were just tossing a ball back and forth, just playing catch. Yeah. And I'm like, at one point he was just getting me so pissed off. I'm like, all right, I'm really going to say something that's just going to spoil it. And he hit the ball and he was about to throw it. And I go, okay, I'll tell you something. Darth Maul dies. And he stops mid-throwing. <laughs> what? I go, yeah, Darth Maul dies. He goes, no, he doesn't. I'm like, I'm like dude. He goes, why would they do that? He's like the new Darth Vader, and they spent all this time building up. They're going to kill him? 
in the first movie? Like, oh, they kill him in like the second act. He's like, what? It's like, he didn't believe me. He thought I was making up. Right. You're just not- saying that to get me off your back. Right, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, uh, not true. George would never do yeah, that. Not true. <laughs> George would never do that. Not the George I know. Right, right. <laughs> Are there any games like you're playing now or you're excited about or, or you said you got your Xbox. Is there anything you're, you're, yeah, you're doing? Yeah. That? So yeah. I think I'm the only, I think I'm the only one here in Thailand that has an Xbox one. <laughs> uh, everybody else is, uh, is, is, is PlayStation. And, you know, I love the PlayStation, but I had to, yeah. I had to actually move away from the PlayStation um, for work when I was working um, uh, for a private toy company for a small toy company called Zizzle. Uh, oh, yeah. I worked from them from like a, uh, from 2005 to 2010, I was uh, I was the director of product development for for handheld games, and uh, okay. it was great. I was I was working on movie license stuff and video game stuff. Uh, you know, tr- translating into really horrible dot matrix screens. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, You know, great it was a lot go. of fun. Uh, but early on, I think it was like 2000. Early on in 2005, um, our licensing manager came to me. She goes, "What do you know about Halo?" And at the time, I'm like, I was just, I was just a play, PlayStation boy. I'm like, oh, I yeah. know Halo. I know it's that uh, Master you know, Chief guy. Yeah. yeah, I know it's really big, and I know people love it. And, and I think Halo Two was out for like a year and a half or something like that. She mm-hmm. goes, well, Universal Studios is teaming up with Microsoft, and they're going to make a movie, and we have the opportunity to make toys. Do you mm-hmm. want to do it? And I knew right away. I'm like, yes, absolutely. I know it's big enough that. We have yeah. to be a part of it. She's well, you need to put a deck together and a pitch meeting uh, in two weeks. So that means like, you know, mm. I had to, I had to get, I had to buy an Xbox and I started, you know, I had to start playing Halo and I liked Halo a lot. You know, I, I first played the story mode, you know, just like I got to get immersed into the lore right. and understand right. it. Um, yeah. I remember I beat the game. I'm like, oh, this is cool. But I'm like, I don't get what everyone's making a big deal about. And then one day I'm like, well, let me try this multiplayer thing. And it was just like, you know, my world right, just, right. you know, blew up. Their online uh, multiplayer for War and Four was awesome. And yeah. it just hooked me. And ever since then, you know, I was, you know, I was a Halo fan and an Xbox uh, fan from that standpoint. Uh, yeah, so I'm a big Halo fan. Oh, as far as the, the movie goes, so we pitched, you know, uh, I don't know if you know the history of the, of the Halo movie. No, uh, we, pitched, we pitched the toy line. They loved it. They were going to give it to us, but then they uh, there was a lot of just back and forth between Microsoft and the studio as far as mm-hmm. like it never uh, came out, right? Where, yeah, it never came out. Actually, yeah. you want you want to know some really interesting history. So they yeah. did a ton of rework for Halo. Um, you know, as far as like uh, developing uh, weaponry, stories, and, and backstory, and they mm-hmm. had a lot of stuff already kind of like pre-planned out. And when it got killed, they decided to use as much as they could. So the Halo movie actually turned into District Nine. Hmm. Oh. And, you know, cool. I don't know if you remember District Nine was uh, no, the movie really. where race comes down and oh uh, yeah 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 okay yeah so a lot of that or am i no but yeah that's cool you know i'm a big halo guy um you know i play halo i haven't played as much uh i hope the new one is good um Uh i've been a a retro kick so i've been playing Uh um uh, i've been playing uh on my second version of playing resident evil 2 the remake uh so i'm playing that Cool. Uh, I just cool. downloaded the uh, the Castlevania um, library of games on Xbox. Oh. Uh, 
like six or seven versions of, uh, of Castlevania. So I've been playing that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I still play, I still play, uh, Killer Instinct, uh, which is a fighting game. (laughs) And, and, uh, part of the reason why I play that was, uh, that was like one of the last toy lines I worked on, uh, when I worked, when I was working at Ultimate Source Creator. So is there anything else I should have asked you about, but didn't Chris? Yeah. You know, um, one of my favorite stories, uh, working in the toy industry was, you know, we were we were really great from the standpoint that we were allowed to get access to scripts and we were closely with movie studios all the time. And mm-hmm. when I was worth uh, working with um, Zizzle, um, I was uh, in charge of development for the handheld game line. So I had contacts at Disney, at Marvel, uh, at uh, Lucas, and so forth. And one of my, I remember one time, um, I think it was early. 2006 my main contact at marvel calls me and he goes hey we're doing something really big i'm like okay he goes we're launching our very own movie studio you know we're break we're not going to sell off any more of our movies you know we're not going to give uh any more to you know spider-man is with sony um x-men is with fox because that's Mm -hmm. it we're not doing it anymore we're going to launch our own movie studio. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, we want you to start working on some of the toys for the first movie. And it's going to come out uh, in 2008. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm thinking of time. It's two years. I have two years to work on this. It's great. I go, cool. What's your first movie? He goes, it's going to be Iron Man. And I'm like, Iron Man? I'm like, I'm like, Iron Man's okay. I'm like, and I, I remember I said, this is so embarrassing. I go, you sure you can't get X-Men back? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like, no, we can't get X-Men back. Yeah. And I'm like, Tony Stark, goes, do it. I go, yeah. yeah. He, goes, he goes, no, we're going to launch with Iron Man and it's going to be awesome. And I go, okay, well, tell me about it. I go, he goes, well, he goes, we already know who we're going to have uh, play Iron Man. I go, okay, who's it going to be? He goes, Robert Downey Jr. I go, Robert Downey Jr. from Ally McBeal? I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, is he, he, in is he yeah, passed out like in someone's in house right now? What's going on? You had a rough like, period there for a while. I'm like, I go, he hasn't been in a movie for years. It's great that he, you know, he's getting his act back together. He's on TV. But uh-huh. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I don't see Robert Downey Jr. pulling this off. I'm like, he right. hasn't played in a movie and be and been a lead forever. I go, well, who's going to direct it? And he goes, John Favreau. I go, the guy that directed Elf. <laughs> like, he goes, yeah. I go, I go. Wait a second. You're telling right. me you're going to launch your movie career studio on Iron Man, which is not like an A title. Right. You know, it's not the problem. premiere, right? No, I'm like, I'm like, you know, everybody cares about X-Men and Spider-Man. That's the only thing that really people care about. And you're going to do it with Robert Downey Jr. and John Favreau as the director. He's like, yeah, right. man, are you in? And I'm like, I, I don't think so. I go, I think I'm going <laughs> to pass. He goes, really? Are you sure? He goes, I go, I go, well, you know, let me think about it for a little bit. Right. And I'll get back to you. I hang up the phone. And I'm like, I shook my head. I'm like, oh, good Lord. They're going to crash. <laughs> crash it so what are they thinking uh, yeah what are they thinking they don't know what they're doing um right. eight, eight, eight or nine months go by and then the first teaser trailer for iron man comes out mm-hmm. and i see it and i'm like oh my god that looks amazing oh right. my god but then i and then i try to you know get realistic like okay it's just a trailer trailers are misleading yeah it's yeah. still be really terrible you know don't don't freak right. out don't smoke freak and out mirrors, smoke and mirrors yeah, right. smoke and mirrors and then um you know the next trailer came out and i was just like oh my god oh my god uh, really really like freaking like what did i do 
And then uh, <laughs> we got early access to the premiere and I, mm-hmm. and the whole, whole office went. And I remember I sat next to uh, uh, the owner of the company, you know, the, the, my boss. Yeah. And the movie, the movie's amazing. I'm watching the movie and I'm just like, oh my God, what did I do? I cannot believe I passed on this. I could have had a whole toy line out. This movie's going to be huge. The right. movie ends and my uh, boss turns to me and goes, he goes, Chris, didn't we have an opportunity to get Iron Man? And I'm like, who needs more popcorn? <laughs> I'm like, I'm going. <laughs> and it's oh, absolutely man. one of the biggest mistakes uh, I made in my in my toy career. Uh, but you know, I think yeah. you know, nobody, nobody knew that it was going to be right. Uh, as it was. I mean, you yeah. Know, in that paper, the way you explain it, it's like, yeah, that that seems like a stretch, right? You know, yeah. and if they're if they had stuff to show you or part of a script or, or more details, but you know, yeah. Hey, you got, you yeah. got Furby, right? So, I mean, yeah, I got Furby. <laughs> <laughs> you got 40 million Furbies. Uh, where can people find you online? Is there anything you want to share? Like, do you have a Twitter account or a website or, or are you just kind of yeah. laying low? Yeah. So uh, I'm not laying low. I thought I was going to lay low. So I came out to Thailand to just sort of just kind of, I don't want to say fully retire. I, I mm. told myself I was going to like semi-retire. Right. But the closer I got to like coming out here and telling more people, uh, a lot of a lot of uh, old comps are like, well, if you're no longer working for Korea, um, the last toy company I worked for, like we would yeah. love to work for and really part of the reasons why I, I moved to Bangkok was it's super close uh, to, you know, to China. And so, you know, normally right. if I'm in Chicago and I, I'm working on a toy line or a product and I have to go to the factory, you know, it takes a day and a half to get there and it mm-hmm. costs around, you know, $3,000 between the flights and everything else. Yeah, um, so, yeah. so, so, you know, it's, it's a lot of work just to get there. And now me being in, in Bangkok, you know, it takes me two hours to get into wow. China and cost three hundred dollars. So Crazy. I mean, it's just, yeah. So yeah. the pitch I do is like, look, if you have a problem at the factory on Monday morning, I could be there Monday afternoon making it much worse. <laughs> uh, is <laughs> the right. pitch I, I I tell people? They, you know, they get a laugh and they're like, wow, that's yeah. that's actually you know makes a lot of sense that you're you're so close uh, yeah. to that region. I've been going to Hong Kong since it was still British owned. Um, so it's been 20, oh, wow. 20 some years. Yeah. Uh, and that flight is brutal. You know, it's especially back in the day before smartphones, before iPads, yeah. you, know, you brought, a, you brought a magazine, you brought a CD player. Yeah. Walkman and try to kill the 16 hours, whatever the flight was. Yeah. Right. Right. You just drink yourself into oblivion until you pass out. Cause it's, you know, it's 15 hours. Yeah. It's a long, that's a long ass um, so I'm actually consulting uh, for a few uh, different toy companies. It's mostly uh, I'm working with people that I that I've worked with in the past that I consider really good friends, and they're fun projects. Uh, I'm actually, which is funny, the one, the only one I'm I can uh, I can talk about is you know they they're relaunching Gigapets. It's been like uh, you know over oh. over twenty years. So uh, I'm working on I'm you know it's, everything comes full full, uh, full circle. I'm working on yeah. Gigapets. They're hitting retail. Hmm. I think. Uh, in the next couple of months, but you can find them now on Amazon uh, and everything like that. But as far as reaching me, the, the one thing that's really funny is uh, my last company, I created their Twitter account and I built it up, you know, working with a lot of people at Microsoft, a lot of people in the gaming industry, a lot of people in the esports community. And okay. after I left, they're like, hey, Chris, you know, you really created that Twitter account and you're the one that's always managed it. So, mm-hmm. you know, why don't you just keep it? So okay. I actually have. And, and able to maintain um, the ultimate source Twitter account. So if there's ever anybody that that wants to uh, reach out and cool. get to me, 
on Twitter, it's just at ultimate toy, which is, okay. you know, L T I M A T E then T O Y. Yeah. I'll put uh, in the show notes. Yeah. 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 So that's the, the easiest way. If you want to, you know, uh, hit me up on, on Twitter that way. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not, I'm on LinkedIn. Yeah. So day to day, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I work on fun projects. I'm able to, you know, great work, you know, work out of my condo here in Bangkok, um, you know, which is uh, really, really nice. I'm in a really fun, lively section in, in Thailand. So uh, it's great. Yeah. So in the year that I've been here, I've been to uh, Hong Kong four times, China twice, Vietnam once, uh, Japan twice, uh, and then all over uh, through Thailand. And and the reason is, is just because it's easy and it's super cheap because I'm already on this side of the, on the planet. So yeah, you're you know, already there, uh, right? A flight to Japan is only four hours and it costs like $300. A flight to Hong Kong is $200. A flight to Vietnam is barely $100. You know, so it's, it's great. So I've been uh, very cool. uh, exploring the region um, mm-hmm. uh, day to day, which is fantastic. Yeah. No, and you got to come. You gotta come I, I do. I know. I know. I, I got to get over there. Definitely. That, um, it's, it's super interesting. And um, yeah, that's great that you can see all those areas. And it's like a great launching pad to go travel you know southeast asia there yeah yeah up, I, I would say know. definitely come meet me in uh in in thailand or in hong kong but maybe not so much now in hong yeah kong. i was gonna say uh, yeah because this is gonna be a little delayed and, and who knows when it's released what's going on but yeah with all this stuff going on with hong kong and the nba and there's like a kind of whole shit storm going on with uh yeah. the nba fighting with uh china and stuff like what what, what do you see over there uh, or, or what do you see, you know with the news and stuff is there any like sure. perspective you have uh well, what's going on as american yeah. in in bangkok sure so i was just there two weeks ago i went to macau which is like the asian version of um of las vegas um okay yeah so it's, just, it's just a big gambling city which was a lot of fun mm-hmm. and uh, I took the uh, the ferry through the harbor to Hong Kong. Uh, so I was in Hong Kong just uh, two weeks ago, just for dinner, and, and took the ferry back to uh, to Macau uh, mm-hmm. to lose lots of lots of money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. And you know, my my history with Hong Kong runs really really deep. You know, I've been going there since 1997. I have uh, so many friends, so many really really good friends uh, in Hong Kong, and you know, I feel really really bad. I feel really bad for bad for Hong Kong, uh, the people. You know, they've grown up under so much freedom, mm-hmm. being under British rule. Right. And you know, when the when the changeover happened in '99, uh, everyone thought right then and there it was going to get really, really bad, and it didn't. It didn't for a long time, and now we're yeah, was more 20 s- years after gradual. the handoff. Yeah, and, it, and it's supposed to be another 25 years or 20 some years before the fully get integrated into China. Honestly, I, you know, I don't want to get too political, but the yeah. I just feel really bad because I don't think there's any hope for them. And I feel bad because they've had a, mm. a great life and a great taste of so much democracy and freedom right. and expression. And every day uh, it gets a little bit more uh, taken away from them. And I, yeah. I feel so bad and I don't think there's anything they can do, you know? Yeah. I was gonna say it was great for like the first ten weeks. You know, almost all the protests were peaceful, and mm-hmm. that didn't do it. Now the protests, you know, in some regards, have gotten violent, and that's not working. And I just don't, I don't see right. how things are gonna change for them. And I just, uh, I feel really, really bad. You've got such excellent stories. It's been great talking, and um, I think uh, people are really gonna enjoy this podcast and just learning about the, the game industry, the toy industry, the the, the magazine industry uh, for uh, game publishing and. 
Thanks, John. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, it was a blast uh, chatting. We haven't chatted in a while. And uh, yeah. Going down memory lane and, and talking about just <laughs> some of the crazy stories. Uh, my advice to people that always try to get into the you know video game industry or the toy industry is, uh, you know, just be modest, uh, be good at at least one thing. So you're always that go-to guy for that <laughs> for that one thing. Yeah, right. Uh, and just network and just you just make friends and just uh, learn other aspects of the job, even if they don't pertain to you. It's just it's just helpful. It just makes you mm -hmm. uh, more valuable and you know, right. helps you grow, helps you grow in your career. Thanks for listening to this episode of Game Dev Advice, the Game Developers Podcast. If you found it interesting or helpful, please leave a five-star review. I'd really appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe. I have a lot of great episodes coming out. As always, I want to hear from you, the game development community. So give me a call at 224 484 7733 or reach out on the website gamedevadvice.com I want to know your struggles your questions and your ideas since the podcast is really about you the fellow game developer and our game development community thanks and take care